Hey listeners, welcome to 2022 and Escape from Plan A and kicking off this new year. I'm your host, Chris, along here with Teen Liza and Jess. Yellow. Yo. Hey, happy new year. Happy new year. Happy new year. I hope it was a happy new year for you guys and our listeners too. Um, just quickly going through it. Uh, anybody do anything particularly out of the ordinary? Out of the ordinary? Or like something what, what is you ordinary? Just watching the ball drop on like rocking New Year's Eve or like no one went out out, right? Like are we talking about old normal or new normal? Like what are we talking about? Well, whatever is by your standard. Anything you want to share? Uh, no, honestly, I don't go. I don't. I, n- I haven't gone out for New Year's Eve in like ten years, so yeah, nothing was really mm-hmm. nothing really changed for me on that front. No. Yeah, I mean, New Year's Eve was never a thing for me until maybe like five ish years ago, and I was online. Some people were getting really depressed because they didn't have plans. Because I guess New I Year's think it's Eve, the wackest holiday. It is so yeah. dumb. No, I Same. agree with it. I agree with you. I don't like New Year's Eve. It's a. It is it's my least favorite holiday. holiday of all of them. And I'm right. talking like matching it up to like Labor Day, Memorial Day, Fourth of July, Thanksgiving. I think New Year's Eve is the worst. Right, but I think there is a group of people for whom they feel really bad because like New Year's Eve is supposed to be when you're out partying and I don't know kissing someone or or getting late or whatever. So if you don't, it's such you're not a doing mess. That. And it's so expensive. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. New, Year's, like, New Year's Day is like the Monday morning of holidays. No, yeah, yeah it's the it's the Monday morning of the whole year. Yes. Yeah. yeah exactly. Like, that's not, that's just not the way I want to start off the year. You know. Yeah, January is the worst month of the year. Yeah, by it far. is. It is. It's fucking cold, and there's not much else going on in January in terms of like holidays. I would say the coldness is probably what's unusual. It is like seventy degrees here. Oh yeah, for sure. Very warm here. Ice rinks melting. Can't they can't even open? <laughs> Are you kidding me? It's like it's it's been like fifties, mid fifties in L.A. It's That's warmer LA, in Maryland, in northern LA, yeah. Maryland, than it is in Southern California. So that is there you the have most it, unusual folks. thing about this New Year's Eve. That's it. Yeah. Like right now, I'm like bundled in two blankets. I have the thickest socks on. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's kind of nuts. Yeah. Um, I said something about, uh, I think Liza, you said something about the ball dropping. Uh, there was this really funny video going around. What's that guy's name? He's <laughs> a reality show guy, right? Yeah, that Andy guy. Cohen. Put in the show notes. That is so funny. Like, yes, I do yes. not care about de Blasio versus Adams. I don't care about it at all. But I think it is so funny that he just, like, it's like he took one shot too many and he, you know, he mixed it up with his cold meds or like his, uh, I don't know, what does he have? He, he sounds like either he lost his voice or he has a cold. I mean, like, you guys have, everyone is here has seen that video, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I thought he was on something more than just alcohol. He was like raging. He he looked amped up, like on on some other kind of. I think thing. that's his personality. I think that's what he's known for. Oh, I see. Okay. He's like a TV personality. Yeah, he would also about like recaps of reality shows or something. Um, but he just showed me like why the hell would anyone want to be mayor? It, it was like, and Anderson Cooper wasn't even defending the Blasio. He was just laughing along, like so, you know. That's like the one bipartisan figure you can all just bash and, and nobody cares. Mayor of New York City. <laughs> I don't know. If everyone started bashing Larry Hogan, I wouldn't care either. <laughs> I mean, they should. I think public figures should grow a fucking pair, honestly. Like, seriously. Yeah, let's talk what, about what? AOC. Oh, oh Jesus. You, oh, and her tweet about the... Her unhinged New Year's Eve tweet storm. Like, you just hate me because I'm hot tweet, basically. Basically, yeah, like, oh, God, I, yeah. you know, everyone just wants to date me and it's because that's why everyone hates me so much. And it's like, wow. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so why don't we jump into that? There's a, there's a few topics we want to hit up. Uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene getting expelled from Twitter. Uh, we also want to talk about this like American Doll thing. But, okay, so l- l- let's try to get through this. All right, uh, Marjorie... Mar- I was going to call her Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene, wh- what's up with her? I haven't... Permanently banned from Twitter because she hit her five... Um, she got five warnings and the fifth one, you're gone. Right. So what was she guilty of for people who may not know? That's a good question. I think that... I know that she is known for... Um, I know that she's known for spreading a lot of like, this is quote, like misinformation about COVID and like okay. vaccines and stuff. Yeah, so she's it's probably a, she's a loud something to proud. do with that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah, she's, she's one a loud of those anti-vax QAnon. Freaks. Yeah, yeah, she's totally she's a QAnon. QAnon. Uh, so she just goes on on that. She's on that whole beat. Um, and I don't know all five of the things that she she did on Twitter, but it's pro- it's you know whatever Q shit um, people do, and she happens to be one of the most uh, most uh, public, uh, definitely the only person who's in a position of power like that uh, who espouses that. So that we know of, I should say. Um, so she just finally got the boot, probably something anti-vax or something, mm-hmm. or talking about like bearing arms against the government or some shit like that. Um, they, well, they said it was for Twitter. Said it was. I'm reading the New York Times article about it. They said it was specifically for a new policy that they said about uh, penalties for sharing lies about coronavirus and vaccines, mm-hmm. and that she said that there were an extremely high number of COVID vaccine deaths, uh, and and had some chart claiming that there was raw data about you know people reporting you know that 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 was being suppressed and that had all these you know data about people dying from vaccines and stuff so you know that, that's, that's the exact opposite of what trump said on candace own so shouldn't that mean he gets uh unbanned like they should reinstate him he he did a good thing he said that that the vaccine didn't cause death so i, th- I think he should get unbanned did they for ban that. trump after the after Biden took office, or was it while he was still no president? before he yeah, was before still he president? Took office. Yeah, that's what made. Yeah, it I think it was like January, right? Wasn't it yeah, like right after January sixth? Yeah, we're right up on we're right up on the one year. It was anniversary before the inauguration. Yeah, and it was a complete. It, it showed complete coordination because he was kicked off of all of the major social media platforms instantaneously uh, at once. Yeah. I mean, imagine like Trump tweeted, you know, the vaccine doesn't kill. I imagine the numbers that would do and who knows what impact that might have had. Um, maybe Twitter's kicking itself for having banned him when he could have spread the good news. Yeah. So, I mean, this figure herself, like, like obviously she's a kook, but banning her from Twitter. I mean, Twitter's really playing. They're all playing with fire here. This isn't going to end well. So it's it's really uh it's like shout out to Jay Caspian Kang. Uh he did a tweet tweet thread um on this that I pretty much just agree with. Uh does anyone have it pulled up? Uh yeah, I can read it. Yeah. Twitter is free to do what they please, but this is bad for society when people are begging a tech company to censor someone. Not arguing slippery slope here. We are already at the bottom of the slope. Do you want me to keep going? Because he has a few more tweets after that. Yeah, or... sure. Um okay. yeah, that basically he basically summed up my views on that, so might as well. Okay. So the next tweet, one, no, she's not killing people by tweeting COVID misinfo. It's reprehensible, but she has the right to say it, and we need to stop blaming disinfo for everything. Two, tech shouldn't be the de facto arbiter of free speech. Three, it's pathetic to ask Twitter to deliver democracy. 
I think a lot about how to argue for free speech in a society that seems hostile. Wait, wait, sorry, the- did, did, sorry, did, did who said deliver democracy? That's because that, that was quoted. That was him. Well, that was him, but he's also quoting uh, like Kamala Harris and quite yeah, or a like few, her type, yeah, and her and that entire cohort. You know, it's people, you know, liberals and leftists. All you all were united on this one to call for uh, like these social media platforms to you know govern democracy, basically. That you're allowing misinformation is going to destroy democracy. Therefore, it's your job to regulate it. Like the democracy cannot function without Twitter banning some people. In other words. Yeah, and he linked an article where Kamala Harris in a debate during the primaries, uh, she did call upon Twitter to ban Trump or suspend him or do something about him. Yeah, and it's notable that you know, um, you know, lest anyone thinks this is this is a this is ideologically like more driven by morals or anything. Kamala Harris uh, is from California. She and she she represents the very the she represents Silicon Valley pretty much. That's how she got into the position she's in. So in case this is this seems Major like a con- point, yeah, yeah. In case this seems like a uh, like, oh wow, she's really speaking truth or power, and she's biting the hands that feeds her. No, she's not. No, That's it's good the important for thing. these companies to have this power, yeah. right? Yeah, it, imagine she, she's as a company, what her. is better than a huge part of your user base claiming that society will literally crumble if you don't take on more power? Power to govern what is acceptable speech on your huge platform. And extra legal, by the way, we don't actually have law governing this kind of speech. We don't know whether this is legal or not because there is nothing written to govern this. Section We did a whole pod on Section 230. We are so far past the protections and the, stat, the, the precedent set by Section 230. Technically, Twitter banning uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene from Twitter, it depends on who's willing to prosecute it. You could make a case for it. And because there's no law around it, it just means that they're the only companies like Twitter and Facebook are now the only ones that have the budget to fight prosecution. They're the only ones. No smaller company can take on the uh, the litigation that uh, that w- that th- this kind of action would entail. So we're just in, we're in uncharted waters, and people keep claiming that this is a win for democracy. <laughs> is uh, Trump and? Marjorie Taylor Greene also banned from, say, like TikTok or Instagram? I think so. Um, Instagram, yes. Uh, TikTok, no, I think. But Trump's just not on TikTok. Right. Uh, maybe he I has would a- love it if he made a TikTok. Dude, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe he would um, be a little embarrassed because he shit talked TikTok a couple of years ago. But we all know he loves fame and adulation more than principle. So, like, yeah, why don't you just jump on TikTok? Like Twitter, who cares? Like, it, it, I think it's got this like false prestige because all the I guess, journalists revere it, but it doesn't have nearly the reach as other platforms. So, why not jump to TikTok? I mean, it's a TikTok is just considered the Chinese uh, the Chinese app. But right. what was funny is it was a small story. I don't know if anyone caught it, but um, he actually was trying to uh, build a competitor. Uh, I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not sure whether it was more like TikTok or Twitter or Instagram or something, but some kind of social media platform. Um, And uh, it it ended up getting canned, and it turns out he was using this Chinese development team. (laughs) See, we're already there. Like, we already know you're a hypocrite. Just go on TikTok, Trump. Like, you know know people want it. That would be so good. It would. Yeah. (laughs) 
So, um, so that's just basically where I'm at with uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene here. It's not like her people saying like, oh, this is her First Amendment rights are being uh, violated. No, they're not. First Amendment rights are only about what the government can do to you. Twitter is absolutely not part of wing of the government. That's the fig leaf, at least. But take the other side of it. I mean, is it reasonable for Twitter to have a rule saying like, okay, you can't just like set up accounts to spread disinformation intentionally about the vaccine. I mean, I think it's kind of reasonable. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, like, if no, you, I don't think so. Well, I mean, well, okay. Are we why pretending should, the why should Twitter, why should Twitter have to accommodate, you know, accounts that go on there just to intentionally spread lies about the vaccine? It doesn't have to, it's a private company. Right. That, well, that's what I'm asking. Isn't it reasonable for them to have this rule? Sure. I mean, to, it is to be, yeah, and so they enforced it against Marjorie Taylor Greene. So I yeah, mean, I'm not. I'm not saying this is a this is a bad move or one mm-hmm. that I wouldn't do if this were my if if I own Twitter or something. I'm just I'm purely talking about the reaction, the push to grant Twitter this kind of power, extra legal power. We're not sure where this stands as far as actual um, like suppression of speech or not or discrimination. I don't think we anyone don't a, has brought up the issue it. of First Amendment as like a real legal. No, here, no, right? no one has. Um, yeah. But this is which they should like. They should, uh, yeah, and they and there's no case for that. This is not. Well, I mean, I, I think there is, but we'd have to get get into some deep state conspiracy shit to uh, to talk about yeah. that one. Yeah. Um. True. Like that, there is a link between the government and these big Silicon Valley tech platforms. That's undeniable. The specifics mm-hmm. of this one, you know, obviously doesn't cover a a one a kind of challenge here. Um, the only thing is Section 230 is on the books, is what Twitter did in violation of that. That is that is completely up in the air. We don't know. Does it even matter? Uh, nobody really knows. So no one is going to challenge Twitter and Facebook until there is clarification on that. Otherwise, everyone gets drowned in legal, in legal uh, bills. Yeah, I, I think JCK is a bit of a free speech absolutist here. I know he got, you know, he, from the early days, and I had was kind of annoyed that he was doing this. Like from the early days in the, in, you know, when, uh, in the, like the first wave and the lockdowns and stuff. And he was over in California tweeting about, you know, Oh, like, you know, everyone's trying to shut down these like lockdown protests that were going on in California and stuff. And I don't know, it really pissed me off. Cause I'm like, I'm sitting over here in New York city and it was like su- really, really bad here at that time. It had not spread out to California quite yet. And so I was just got the feeling like, that people in California had not realized how bad it got. And to watch him suddenly, you know, take, uh, you know, a stand for the right for these people to go out and protest city ordinances saying like, you know, impose a curfew or a social distancing or whatever saying like, you know, how can you just trample on people's rights? And he was offering a slippery slope argument there. And I'm like, this is a real emergency. You know what I mean? Like, I, I just don't, I mean, I'm like, there are times when I have someone equated it to like, it is true that the government should not be trusted <laughs> and uh, the government is constantly abusing and, and, and basically like abusing people. But there are times when even an abusive government has to take action in, and protect us. And I think this is a case where the government is actually trying to do the right thing to an extent, but it has so like soiled its reputation in other in other aspects. I can't really blame people for not trusting the government, but I don't think that they're necessarily right here to 
defend in this kind of situation. You know, I would be so much more pissed off at JCK and the free speech absolutists over that mm-hmm. if the government and all of mainstream media didn't turn around like one month later and say, you have like a moral responsibility and you can't catch COVID if you attend like a BML, BLM protest. Yeah, yeah, that's right. I think you're not that's allowed the to problem. go to your aunt's yeah. funeral, but you are encouraged to go to a protest where people are like screaming. And everyone's sweating and on top of each other and like saying that and like, like saying you can't catch like there's there's no like this is not a covid spreader. It's like, are you are you crazy? Of yeah. course it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I yeah, agree. I, mean, I think like it's also it, acting like like just like suppression of speech or action is also the only thing that the government can do. Right. They just they were so quick to slam that bu- to press that button. But what would actually calm the dissent? acting like a trustworthy government. Why is that never the first tool in the toolkit that people grab? It's simply how much power should we allow these people to abuse? Yeah, it's I mean, always watching, the most maximalist interpretation CDC, of it. Watching the CDC take its cue from Delta Airlines and being like, oh, you are shorthanded and you think five days would be better than 10 <laughs> for, for self-quarantine, for isolation? Okay, five. Uh, uh, can you elaborate on that? I kind of heard something about Delta, but it was like the holidays. I wasn't paying too much attention. I mean, attention, basically, so. the CDC had said that, you know, if if a worker is symptomatic and is is positive for COVID, that, you know, the the right medical advice is to have them isolate for 10 days. They can't, they, they basically got to miss work for 10 days. And during the holiday season, the travel short, like so many people are getting sick that Delta Airlines wrote a letter to the CDC saying, you know, this isn't really tenable because 10 days has left us way too shorthanded to even operate this airline. So we think five days would be better. And then the CDC turned around and said, okay, yep, five days is pretty good. <laughs> And oh, damn. that just a lot of people were like, wait, what the fuck? Because I thought that you guys were supposed to be like the public health experts here, not suddenly like worried yeah, about you guard whether- the public interest. Why the fuck are you taking it, t- taking your calls from Delta here? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, even if like ultimately the government was to take Delta's side on this, like the CDC is not supposed to be worried about whether airlines have enough staff, right? Like <laughs> the CDC should be purely about they should be purely about public health. Mm-hmm. Right. And the, and the containment of disease. They shouldn't be worried about like the operations of an airline. You know, yeah, and they're I thought not, their concern is not even economics at all. Irrespective exactly. of cost, there's their job is to is to is to safeguard the public interest. Exactly. Exactly. And so I think it's the thing now where the government has taken this sort of thing where it's like, we don't tell you the truth. We just tell you what you need to hear in order for things to work the way we want it to work. Like you hear the thing that you need to hear. So you get in line. Uh, the problem is like the government, the problem is the government isn't even particularly good at that. You know what I mean? Like they're not well, even really how, how good at- How did this at- Delta letter leak in the first place? Was it just- I think it might've been a public letter. I, I don't think- It, it was, was a public, they sent it out to the public? No, I, don't I mean- think it was, I don't think it was a leak. Yeah. I think, I, I think the was, CDC may have like published it, just be like, oh, and I don't think it was a secret. Maybe it was leaked. I don't know. But um, it was clearly, I mean, it was reported very clearly that this was directly in response to an airline saying, can you please and, cut it from 10 to 5? And and Delta didn't deny it either. That's how they you did know not deny when something it. And is rightfully, uh, real or not. you know, a lot of people were memeing like, you know, and, oh, I think the CDC had put out like, uh, you know, um, like a, 
like like kind of not an ad but like a public service ad kind of thing with like a woman with uh, a mask on saying like COVID will not, I will not miss work for COVID or whatever. <laughs> yeah, and, I saw that. You know? And then someone kind of remixed it and, and you know, like the, with the, they live glasses, someone puts on the, they, they, <laughs> that was the best one. they live glasses yeah. and it was like, I will die for minimum wage. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and that's basically what it came down to. Um, but yeah, so as far as it relates to speech, then why is the suppression of speech like the only tool? We act like it's the only thing that the government or these big companies have at their disposal to manage this flow of misinformation. How about stopping? How about stop cleaning up your own house first? Yeah, that's too that hard. would probably engender public goodwill far more than uh, crushing, you know, Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is an idiot. She is an absolute idiot. Um, well, she's and, a Q and, follower. She's a Q. She's a Q person. It's it's yeah. absolutely insane. So part of the part of my whole thing is you know we talk like I don't know of a more dystopian word we've come up with recently than misinformation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like for for one thing, like information in a large, complicated society is kind of a collective endeavor, and it requires trust, right? There's no real reason I don't know that the moon landing was faked. There really isn't. I've never, I, I've never, like, I've never been to the moon. I don't know what that shit's like. Oh, I like. have. I checked, yeah. I'm going to call bullshit on that, but I also don't know <laughs> your lived experience, so I'm going to hold back on that. Maybe you have. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but, like, right, there's no real way that all all of us here on this call know that the moon landing wasn't faked, right? It's just a matter of trust that the, that the system that, that produced uh, this phenomenon is actually telling the truth about this, right? So that's so a lot of it is based on trust. So this whole idea of misinformation is really it isn't a, people blame the misinformation, right? The lies about it, a lies about it. But no one's pointing at the root cause that the that basic trust in institutions and other people has been eroded to this great a degree. That's the real thing. So misinformation in a properly functioning society is just a fringe element. And that's what people try to call it for a long time. Oh, it's just a fringe thing. It's not it's not real. Until now it's like what, like sixty percent of America now believes in at least part of like the QAnon thing and you know, uh what what is considered like alt right shit. And that's like sixty percent of the country, maybe maybe higher. Right? At that point, what is misinformation then? Now we've cut co- we've come to where the majority of adults in this society don't believe um, you know, X or Y narrative on this. Yeah. I, I have to think this is mutually beneficial for both sides. I for one thing, someone like Marjorie Taylor Greene, yeah, she'll get kicked off of Twitter, but she is now more famous and influential among her yeah. cohort. Now you've validated ever- her. And not only that, but the peop- like the CDC or whatever, now you get to blame everything on MTG. Like, Jess, you were like, why not clean up your act? Because that's hard and boring. It's much more fun and easy to just ban Marjorie Taylor Greene. Yeah, and it gives, like, it gives advocate them, for people it gives to them a shut lot of them ammo. down. Like, it gives them a lot of ammo. Like, J.D. Vance tweeted, all you have to do is just screenshot, you know, try to go to Marjorie Taylor's account and it says account suspended and everyone just screenshots that. And then start saying like, like "Wow, this is really insidious," you know, like, "Oh, you know, um, they've just the government has outsourced, uh, you know, political oppression to, uh, you know, a private company." And I mean, like, honestly, that messaging is pretty effective, you know, to just show like they they literally silenced the president. They literally are telling a elected official that she's not allowed to 
tweet, you know, and it's just, it, it's just like, you're right. I think it's just an easy win for uh, the other side. I mean, I think Twitter is reasonable to have done it. You know, they have a rule. The rule makes sense to me. I don't think people should be allowed to go on Twitter and spread intentional misinformation about COVID. That's a, that's a socially damaging thing, but uh, you're right. We're in, a, in such a low trust environment that Twitter just trying to abide by its own rules in some sort of consistent fashion gives fuel to um, like sort of right wing extremist groups that want to overthrow the U.S. government, basically. You know, so I don't know. We're in a shitty time. Like, we're, <laughs> you know what? Okay, you know what I keep thinking is like. That the that the advice that the best advice that America like America needs uh, Mr. Miyagi because like Miyagi gave the <laughs> ultimate advice to me that I think is applicable is well, like we had our chance to elect an Asian guy we said no true yeah I mean you know he was a decisive <laughs> guy I mean that's the thing I mean maybe he was a Miyagi type Miyagi's advice was I, I mean, either, I'm entirely kidding I'm just <laughs> I'm no just but in Miyagi's advice kind of was, was either you know karate do yes you're okay karate do no okay uh meaning like if you want to learn karate then you commit 100 percent. if you don't want to do karate and you don't give a fuck that's fine too but if you're like yeah maybe i guess i'll do karate then you're gonna get fucked and i think that's the u.s like all the time the democrats in particular they're always trying to split the baby everything we yeah, do we always we end up with like the, the worst of all worlds then because we try to split the difference yes Right, you're trying to make everyone happy all the time. And you but know do you, you think they, do, that. do you think that's intentional, like self sabotage, or they're actually trying to accomplish what they say they are? It feels a bit like self sabotage to a degree. I think uh, before I was would be skeptical about the idea of self sabotage, but after watching Biden um, and the way that Biden and Pelosi passed the buck off to each other to be like. Uh, oh, yeah, no, I couldn't do that because we don't think that the president has that power. And then they're like, no, we we didn't. No one, you know, they're like, no, we thought the president has that power. You know, like when it came to, say, for example, like forgiving student loans. I mean, uh, what was the recent one? Um I think Someone, the most recent one that I've seen is like when Trump was in power, we were like inches away from fascism, right? And then Biden and Kamala get into power and suddenly it's like, oh, they just don't have any power. You don't understand how this works. It's like, so yeah. which is it? It can't be both. <laughs> yeah. Same same goes for something like Twitter, too. It's it, like having people like Donald Trump and Marjorie Taylor Greene is so damaging that they need to be kicked off this platform or else like literally democracy, Western democracy is going to fall. Uh, really? Really? <laughs> like, is Twitter a better place? Because, like, has anything changed for the better? Because we scrubbed Donald Trump from the, uh, right. <laughs> from, I mean, the poor man, he's basically faxing his tweets out with those press releases. I would say it's objectively worse. Yeah, right? It so, is. I mean, it is I worse. Was told, yeah. We were told, and they, these companies were lobby, like, people were lobbying these companies so hard to kick them, kick people like this off. Because, it, I mean, if you wanted to advocate for that, then you must have a vision that this place would become better in their absence, right? Okay, we're a year out. We're a, we're a year out from, from this process, and Marjorie just got kicked off today. Is Twitter a better place? Is the They're internet a better place? They're just playing whack-a-mole at some point, you know? Like, yeah. 
So they're not. So this is obviously in my. It's not like she's the only Q person that anyone listens to, right? And now she's more power. She's she's the fucking emperor in Star Wars now. She is now more powerful than than ever before now. (laughs) So because getting banned on Twitter is effectively being like a martyr, you know? Yeah, that's once they banned a sitting president. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. She's and so this internet discourse is not better. Nothing in the public is is any is any better. So why did why did we like we're literally cr- creating new press? We're in uncharted waters in the in 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 how private companies are now supposed to behave towards their own consumers. Now we really are. Uh, like I've been looking to get back into entrepreneurship, uh, and you know one of the things I wanted to look into was you know possibly getting into the social media space in some way. It's so risky because I don't exactly have the legal budget to fight off wave after wave of uh, of free speech suits, litigation for discrimination, discrimination. These are discrimination lawsuits. People talk about as First Amendment. These are actually dis- um, this is actually discrimination, uh, which we typically take seriously, except in this one instance. That sets a weird ass precedent here. And people talk about, and I think liberals are guilty of this. This the topic of misinformation kind of has this r- really religious, uh, like almost uh, like magical uh, significance. Like the idea is that if you are exposed to misinformation, misinformation itself has some kind of like dangerous, attractive power that sucks you in and will brainwash you. The information itself is so dangerous that you cannot be exposed to it, or you will fall victim to it. Really? Is the misinformation the the problem here? Like, I think a reasonable, a a, a population with high trust, maybe with better education resources and who are experiencing better quality of life, maybe this, this stuff doesn't have that kind of pull. I think there is an issue with misinformation. I mean, the idea that- Don't get me wrong, I do, because I think we're, I think we don't have those conditions. That's why this shit has a, has the pull that it does. But I I don't- think treating it like it has like we all need to be inoculated from misinformation in order to be safe that's not the problem well well i think it is in 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 a sense but not the way they're going about it right i think i mean i think with the internet it was kind of like letting the genie out of the bottle and you can't put it back in and i think all this stuff where they're trying to regain control of social media Facebook is even asking for basically like an official like official government sanction to go and regulate you know with using law, like regulate Facebook and yeah, they're you know, asking Twitter. for their own like office inside the government. Yeah, I think what they're doing is Where basically Department trying Facebook, to really? stuff the genie back into the bottle and being like, we are going to turn what is like essentially a chaotic, uh, you know, un you know, sort of like unregulated, totally open, uh, internet, and we're going to try and regulate it as if it were like television. Or you know, a newspaper publishing. A yeah, and you can't. You yeah, can't apply those old ideas to the internet. It doesn't work, especially in a society like ours where we have, you know, grown accustomed to the idea of there being unfettered uh, expression, freedom of expression, particularly online. And now you're just going to like kick people off Twitter for you know. I mean, I agree with this particular rule, but they, there are other rules of theirs that I don't agree with, and you can get kicked off for those as well. Yeah, and uh, I think I 
in that sense, I think it is very dangerous. You know, it yeah, is. Yeah, like we have you know. we have precedent, right? Like like yelling fire in a crowded theater. We have limits, right? If you're if you're actually uh, um, like like an imminent threat, right? That you that's not protected speech, right? Uh, and honestly, I don't agree with this sharp line necessarily being being created between like what government can do to your speech versus a private company. I think we need we're overdue for an update on what we think about that. So I don't think falling on oh it's not the government so one a doesn't apply that's that's not that's kind of a facile argument in my opinion. Um, but this one this particular rule here that if you're guilty of spreading lies, that you can be banned. That's kind of that's kind of like where does that where does that stop in that case? Like where are we on the slope when it comes to that shit? Right? Like so if you say okay Stalin didn't uh commit like the holodomor was not stalin's fault is that a lie here's one that i think is more um pertinent in the immediate circumstance is all this stuff about lab leak theory ah, COVID yeah. origins and you know this stuff that um Rand paul has been pushing you know during in congressional hearings and he's been famously sparring with fauci about it saying that the NIH has been had been secretly funding gain of function research on coronavirus, and Fauci telling him he's basically a fucking idiot. Doesn't even think what he's talking about. But the bizarre thing is, uh, the Intercept I think sued under FOIA to get some of the documents and emails released that, pertaining to the this gain of function research, so to speak, with this EcoHealth Alliance. And I have to say that the stuff that they dug up, it doesn't make me believe in lab leak theory per se. But it's not crazy. It's not a cra- it's far from crazy to think that that there was some weird shit going on in terms of like the specific types of uh, of research that EcoHealth was doing with NIH money and how how like closely it tracks coronavirus and the particular attention that was being paid to the spike protein and this interest in bat viruses and all this stuff that it wasn't didn't seem crazy to me, you know. So I'm wondering like the thing that bothers me is not so much that something is true that something is probably false but people are trying to claim it's true or whatever it's that like we say stuff like believe science we say stuff like i'm gonna believe fauci because he's a scientist but the way we actually what we actually mean is that if you oppose the narrative that these scientists are saying you're actually crazy you're 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 irrational, and you're you, you're just making no sense, and that works to a degree. I think Q is crazy, like QAnon is crazy. Um, there's literally like no evidence to support anything that they're saying. It's completely insane. But like the lab leak stuff, I'm like, is that crazy? I don't know. I mean, they actually have shit where I'm like, what the fuck is that? Are you serious? They applied to DARPA to do. Uh, to try and take, uh, you know, standard bat coronavirus and try to make it more transmissible. And the and DARPA, the Pentagon, was like, yeah, no, that sounds too dangerous. We're not going to fund it. So I'm like, do you, you understand what I'm saying? Like, that's not crazy to think that that might have happened. I just don't believe yeah, it. Yeah, it's, it's... They're, they're trying I, to okay, just look. silence people through saying that you're insane to consider it 
Yeah, it sure starts looking like there's a cover up if you start if you start uh, you know crushing people who say that, right? And I think the real problem there isn't like, oh, do you believe this or not? One, it's well, one is that the idea that this is stuff that we have to believe in that there can be no evidence for it. It's just based on trusting the people telling us this, this shit, and we're not really touching the root issue, which is why is it why is the base presumption that everything our government does is secret? I mean, I, I, I'm asking, I'm like, well, you guys, give me an answer here. Um, but it's <laughs> sorry, I was on like, mute. <laughs> like, yeah, no, it's kind of, but it's kind of the thing, right? Like, we're we kind of expect opacity and an inability to actually dig into like uh, government uh, into gov- what the government is doing in our name with our money, uh, and it has ramifications on our lives, and it's all presumed to be secret. We don't have a right to know this. So this is that dark, dank space where, conspi- quote, conspiracy theories flourish. Yeah, I I think... Why um, can't we get a little sunlight on that? Yeah, and I also think, like, uh, Eliza, you said, like, someone DM'd you about asking, like, who, like, who was the guy on the fucking podcast that was defending Trump? Uh, that would be me. Um, <laughs> like... I'm not defending Trump in the sense that like I support Trump or anything. Like Trump is a piece of shit, right? Like I what I'm trying to say is that with tr- what I've noticed uh is that we've become this when it comes to fighting Trump or resisting Trump, the tactics that liberals take is uh, to me like very abominable. Like you see this all the time. They literally just shit on people who support Trump. They're just like, oh, yeah. you're a piece of shit. Yeah. You support Trump. Mm-hmm. Or they're you're like, just a racist. Oh. Yeah. yeah, you're just racist. And then they'll just like, oh, they just tweet like really insulting things about Trump and Trump supporters, like, you know, like fat, you know, fat white trash. Uneducated. Yeah. Yeah. Uneducated mm-hmm. trash. Doesn't believe in science trash. Uh, you know, orange, you know, this or orange this or, you know, like a picture of uh, a very unflattering picture of Trump, you know, playing golf with his, you know, you know, with his, with his big ass, with, yeah. with his big ass. Yeah. You know, and like, it's just, that's not the point. Do you know what I mean? Like, and just watching liberals take so much of this pleasure, this cringy pleasure mm-hmm. in being basically elitists and, 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 and basically saying, if you support Trump, you're a dumb piece of trash and you're low class. I'm like, you're just making, you're just giving them more fuel, you know? And that's why I think that the Republicans and the conservatives have won, um, you know, they've, they've, they've stolen a march from the left in terms of, in terms of um, expounding like a populist narrative. And I think that's why Tucker Carlson is probably the most effective populist faux populist but the most effective populist in media right now what you know, about because, joe rogan well i don't know i don't know if i necessarily classify joe rogan as a right-wing guy um didn't he just oh, recently endorse just... michelle obama yeah he's uh, just, i listened yeah. to that pod um i, I yeah, thought we were just basically talking populist that... like i didn't i didn't oh, okay no 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 you're right right wing no you're right liza you're right i think i think that would be a toss up. I think Joe Rogan has sort of his sort of like, you know, grassroots base. But the problem with his base is they're not particularly political. It's a lot of like, like indifferent guys that, you know, kind of want to just like work out and stuff. But um, Tucker Carlson, I think, has a bigger media platform because he's on Fox and his followers are like 
particularly political, you know, like registered voters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, they will mobilize. I mean, I watch him sometimes and he's not all, he's not like, he is right about some stuff. Of course he is. How could he, why, how could he be wrong all the time? Like, you know what I mean? Like, and that's, and that's how they, they don't like, I think liberals don't, will never engage in serious discussion because there's just a lot of things they don't want to talk about. You know what I mean? Like, there's just a lot of they expect you to be right 100 percent of the time, and like, if you are wrong about anything, you're automatically wrong about everything. Yeah, yeah. it's very and, it's and very look polarized. at the culture of liberalism. It's a it is. I mean, it is its own sort of. Which one of you culture, said it was like? Right? Which one of you said it was like a religion? Was it you, Jess? I think both me and Tina have taught have said that at various. Yeah, points yeah I, I definitely think things. it's like a religion. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you can get excommunicated, and it's you're very worried about getting kicked off the island, and it is a cancel culture in the sense of if you say the wrong thing, you know, you can get you know all of a sudden like every you know that that is a mark against everything you've ever said, you know, and so yeah. I think that with liberals, I don't know, I just feel like there's an inflexibility to liberals that it, we end up. I mean, I guess I still consider myself a liberal in that sense of like, okay, if I were to compare the conservatives and liberals, who, who do I generally agree with more? Okay. I generally agree more with the liberals. Fine. So mark me down as a liberal, I guess. But I think that there is just an inflexibility to liberals now where they just can't, they just can't fucking deal with like narratives that don't support their cultural worldview. Mm-hmm. You know, they can't like everything has to be so fucking woke. Every, you know, like nothing can contradict their. Everything just, is the most important issue. Yeah, Every single and, issue is the most yeah, important. Otherwise, democracy is like going to fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. And and I mean, I mean frankly, like. Or you like, know, you know, you say one, you say one thing and suddenly it's like, oh, my God, we're living in like the handmaiden's tale. But it's also yeah. aesthetic. Like, it is aesthetic, yeah. Like talking about wokeness or something, talking about, oh, we need to have what? More LGBTQ in the goddamn military? That's the <laughs> that's the issue you're that's that's the hill that you're gonna die on? That's that's the thing? Okay, we need more women in, in C suite positions at oil companies. That's that's what we're gonna do here. So nothing structurally gets addressed. So I think I agree with Teen. If it comes to what the beliefs, like the ideology uh, that that uh, the two sides espouse, I would agree with the liberals. But in terms of actually, like Teen, you asked the question, what's what's actually the difference between like Trump and Biden here? There yeah, are what, some what has big he done differences. That's, that's been significantly different. I know he believes different things. I know he yeah. says different things. But what has he fucking done? That's I think my I have question. to disagree with you too. I think that if it comes down to what I really care about, I think that I care about what conservatives care about. But then when it comes to like what they say they're going to do to act on it. I guess I would agree with like what liberals say they're going to do about it. But of course it never happens. Yeah, Actually, that's a good right. point. Yeah. So like we're gonna, conservatives we're gonna say, get y'all. right. So conservatives say they care about income inequality. And then, I know that they actually do. I believe that they do. And then liberals will say something like, all right, well, you know, we need to raise the minimum wage and like cancel student loans. And they say it and I agree with it, but it never works out. I mean, that's that's and actually exactly also, that's exactly they, they uh, prove the that they actually is a perfect example. They don't care. Be like, I don't think yeah. that liberals care. I think it's all lip service. And I think that conservatives do care, 
But then their ways of going about it are like, I don't know, let's storm the Capitol. I don't know. Yeah, I th- yeah, you know what? I think you're right on that one, Liza. I think conservatives are actually uh, my very... values are more in line with theirs. I agree. Okay. Yeah. All right. You know, like are I mean, our kids the rhetoric be the on right both things, sides. You know, the rhetoric on both sides is fantastic. Like honestly, the best version of Democrats is what Republicans, uh, like, like the propaganda Republicans spread about. But they're them. all like, socialists oh, and commies. Yeah. <laughs> Biden's like gonna Biden's gonna seize your yacht and give it to the poor. He's no, gonna I make wish, sure. I wish. Yeah, yeah. He, he's gonna give everyone socialized health care and he's gonna make sure college is free. I'm like, oh goddamn, yeah, cool. Or like, like I here. mean, so I I follow the Loudoun County dispatches for like the whole year, right? And like, I listen to their town halls on uh on um YouTube and. You know, a lot of times it's parents going in and they're just like, they're really concerned about what are our kids learning? You know, now that their kids are going virtual, what are they learning? I don't approve of this. But then liberals come out and they scream like, oh, they don't want like, they want white supremacist history. And it's like, no, 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 no. Forget CRT. Forget that. Forget 1619. They just want to know, like, are their kids going to be able to do math and like pass the S, like get a good enough score in the SATs to go to a good college and get a nice high paying job. That's what they care about. That's what everyone cares about. Liza, why don't you explain the significance of Loudoun County in case uh, listeners don't don't know? Like, what happened there and why is it important in the last, like, six months of American politics? So Loudoun County, there's, like, I say, you know, I'd have to back up so much. It's like, how much time do you have? I don't want this to go more than an hour. How about this? How about this? Uh, let's, I'll, I'll give you an article to link into the uh, the show notes. But how about this? Um, Loudoun County, um, I think it proves what's going on around the whole country, which is like- Loudoun County, Virginia, right? Yes. Loudoun oh. County, Virginia, which is very upper middle class and they lean more One liberal. One of the highest income counties in the country, if I believe. And they lean point. more liberal than they do conservative. And I think that what it goes to show is that I think that people who lean liberal, they are willing to bend to the Democrats on a lot of things. But when it comes to education and actually educating our kids, that is someplace where they will just will not bend. They won't do it. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of Asian people. I don't know. I don't think it's there's a lot of Asian, of Asian Loudoun, people. But that's a, but that's a yeah, lot but of Asian. It's that's, Northern that's Virginia. There's, it's Northern Virginia. We know that there's tons of Asian people there. You and I both know that. The Beltway is tons of Asians. So, like, it, what I'm trying to say is like, it's going to go on. It's going to be like a national trend where I think a lot of people who are centrist liberals are not going to be willing to just go along with what the 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 Dems want them to go along with anymore. They just can't take it anymore. This is the, this is like, this is like the line they've crossed the line where they're just like, okay, fine, fine, fine. We all have to like, like forget CRT, forget, um, forget like the anti-vax shit and like where you stand on that. It's forget like January 6th where you stand on that one. I really think it comes down to education is what is going to turn everybody away. You can't, you can't tell people that parents should not have a say in what their kids are learning at school. 
how their kids are going to be educated. That is like that that is the dividing line right there. Like it's not going to be the fight will not be over abortion. It's not going to be over January 6th. I don't think it's even going to be about COVID. I don't think it's about student loan cancellations. It's not going to be about Medicare. It's going to be on education. And like when you fuck up the kids' futures, that's it. They've had it. They will turn I mean, to the other party. At this point, all of the crises are running at full speed. It's gonna, it's gonna be a toss up which one sparks the uh, the flame that burns the shit down. But education is definitely, definitely I mean, based high on up there. The way, how yeah. it went down in Loudoun County, it looks like it's education. Yeah. Like that's the one. You know what? I funny? thought it was gonna be Medicare for all in the middle of a pandemic, but that's well, that, not that what did it. That happened in New York City too. I mean, I think, yeah. I think that education and the New York City schools was a big factor in Eric Adams. Uh, San Francisco winning. too. LA, it didn't yeah. rage so hot, but that's because LA is a very segregated city, yeah. a very segregated mm-hmm. county. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, but I think so you know what's really frustrating because yeah. I do. I I guess I would consider myself uh, pretty left in terms of my politics, but it's like people like the the sort of like culture warriors of the liberals. You know, like when you when I see stuff like CRT and stuff, it's like the only the right wing that attacks that as hardcore leftist Marxist stuff, like cultural Marxism. But I don't think of that as Marxist. Are they at really all. attacking well, CRT that much though? Like like I'm talking about parents who show up at these like school. No, board no, no, meetings no, no, no. I'm talking about the meetings. way the right wing attacks it, right? Like the way the right wing uses CRT in its in its um in its political uh um rhetoric they attack it as if CRT was like this hardcore left uh, uh, policy or program. And it's not like 1619 is the most centrist liberal thing of all. Like it started (laughs) from the New York Times. Like this is not hardcore left stuff, but Mm -hmm. they make it out to be like, this is the really hardcore left of the, of the, of the, yeah, they do bring up Marxist a lot. Yeah. And it's not, it has nothing to do with any of that shit. This is just, I think it's part of what, and and I've noticed Justin, um, actually the three of you have discussed this in some pods um, in the past where, you know, we talk about the sort of ossification of American society and this sort of like, um, sort of like a cultural hegemony, uh, like an elitist hegemon of the- A monoculture? Sort of, of, yeah. of And it's, it's based on um, status, you know- it's based on social status and it's based on just sort of like, you know, just being famous and being well-respected and being well-known. And I think that's the hallmark of a lot of liberal culture right now is like, we are the Clintons, we are the Obamas, we are the this, we are the that. And it's, you know, um, what am I trying to say here is that the, it, it is that sort of like cultural elite establishment uh, which are specific people, specific famous, well-known people who show up, you know, decade after decade in the Democratic Party. That I think they're the ones that, in their out of touchness, have been advancing things like CRT, uh, you know, in sixteen nineteen project. To think that these are really popular grassroots level things to address <laughs> fighting white supremacy and all this stuff, and if you. Go down. That's why it always fails at the polls, because when you get down to it, this was never a project on behalf of regular people. This was always a project of cultural elitism and cultural manufacturing. Mm-hmm. Like this was not about responding to the needs of your constituents, mm-hmm. your constituent. And this is why I think for the left, they should just stop caring about, you know, is this person a good leftist? Is this person a good Marxist? Is this person like actually a liberal? 
you know, like, I think they just, just fucking figure out one policy, one material policy that you all agree we should have. And I think it should be healthcare. Medicare for all. Yeah. Yes. I think it should just be Medicare for all because that just puts us right in the center of the rest of the world. Right. Mm -hmm. So let's just pick one, you know, really hard to get, but major policy goal. Let's just go for it. Instead of like this cultural project of, and I think this is really what it is. It's a cultural project to make, you know, Americans uh, follow and 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 idolize um, elite liberal culture, and for us to all be aspirational to be just like the New York Times readers, and that's how we would, in their mind, solve America's problems if we would all just become New York Times subscribers. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> if we just all just be like them. That's really their worldview at the end of the day, you know, and that's why and and they don't know any other way. And that's why they will do heavy handed shit like kick your ass off Twitter because they don't know what else to do. You know what I mean? And, uh, you know, and when it comes down to actual real policy goals, they're not interested because that would actually upend that would actually force them to make changes as to like, you know, like that's why they had to suppress Bernie is because it would upset their current structure. It would upset a large part of their uh, corporate base. It would upset their ability to raise money to be. How many of them um, are actually aware that they're doing this? I think it's so ingrained that they don't know that they're doing it. I think individual people uh, have good principles and they don't think so. But at the org level, like how many, uh, like were you guys keeping track of how many healthcare like orgs were against Medicare for all? It's an astonishing number, uh, and like specifically healthcare, as in like uh, like most prominent are like the 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 minority race based healthcare orgs that are there to try to advocate. You know, their their mission statement will be like, like trying to advocate and make sure that you know that their constituency, like uh, like Hispanic or Black or or Asian uh, people in you know X Y or Z city, uh, get the same ac- like get access to healthcare. Those orgs are all are all like mainline Democrats, but all came out against Medicare for all. Mm. Is that hypocrisy? Mm. Not really, because this is our this is the incentive structure. They all go away if Medicare for all is implemented. Mm-hmm. Their paychecks mm-hmm. dry up. Mm-hmm. Their grant money disappears. Liberalism is all about surviving, maximizing in an existing system. Never mm. to actually change mm-hmm. it. So, so all this liberal bullshit, like, oh, we need to, you know, we need to come together. With, you know, like it came to, it came to some sort of decolonize this, know. decolonize that. Yeah. yeah, or make sure that you know we're advocating. Like, we need to advocate to make sure you know. This is where like oppression Olympics come in, right? Like, if you're if you're dealing with a very constrained system with a limited amount of resources, then you know you need to start thinking about allocation, right? So these groups are all allocate are all fighting for their small small piece of that pie here. And this is where things like uh, like black on Asian conflict or something comes in because we're all assuming that there's a limit to the resources available, and they make their money off of that friction. With health, with healthcare for all, like universal single payer healthcare, all those orgs vanish. Why? They, why would they be needed? Everyone has the same access to healthcare. So there's yeah, a I- very very strong, and, and to me it's always boiled down to just look at people's incentives. These people are not incentivized to do jack shit in that regard because they put they pay their rent, they put their kids to school, and put food on the table off of that inequality, off of mm-hmm, that misery. Mm-hmm. You know what's so just 
captures the problem is when Michelle Obama said, um, I think in support of Biden, was it in support of Biden? It was in support of Biden. That when they go low, we go high. No, that was Hillary. Come on. <laughs> no, that was, that was Michelle. Michelle. That was Michelle. Michelle. That was no, Michelle. Michelle. Supported, you're saying in support of Hillary. Yeah. 2016. Oh, yeah. I see. Uh, okay. Okay. Oh, gotcha. okay. Got it. During the, during the primary. Uh, it was at the Democratic National Convention. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. And she got a ton of applause for that. It became bumper stickers. Uh, that lasted like two months, but yeah. Right. I think that that <laughs> so encapsulates the problem. You know why? The, here's why... You know, and to that person who DMs you about why am I defending Trump? Because I think we can learn something from them, the the right wing, right? You know why? Because they appeal to what people want. They appeal to the base instincts of what Uh people want. The thing is, I don't want what they want. They want to return to this sort of like imaginary uh, America where uh, white people, uh, you know, still... Uh, ruled the day and they're white, you know, all this shit. I don't know about that because I know, I I don't know. I I think a lot of, I think there's a lot more uh, minority people, ethnic minority people who are conservative. Yeah, but I'm saying that there is definitely a white nationalist base to Trump. I I don't think there's any point in denying that. I I, I don't (sighs) know if that's all of Trump's Where else are they going to go? No, that's true. No, no. I'm just saying this, that they understand the core desires of, of, of their base and their messaging is always to the desires of that base. And uh, they call that going low, right? The only difference, the reason I don't like Trump and the reason I don't support him is because I don't want what they want, right? They like their vision of like how to move forward. I just don't agree with, but the, but the thing with Michelle and this whole, like when they go low, we go high is they're like, no, see what you want to do. Like what is most important is to appeal to the moral vanity of of your base like it's not what you want right it's what you think you are or what you think you could be or something like this it's like really moving away from you know the the thing that people actually want in their life and they've got it so trained that i think a lot of democrats and liberals they don't actually know what they want anymore you know what i mean and so i think for a lot of people they just it it, there's just so much narcissism in liberal politics that it's it's all based around optics. It is all based around what we think of ourselves, um, how good we appear. Are we good people? You know, what is our like? Do we do do like do we fit a heroic narrative and all this stuff? But I think that is their the base that they truly care about. They don't really like you know whatever fifty percent of the country of those people who vote Democrats. I think there are a good chunk of them. They don't really like what they really care about is appealing to their elite base and. For them, and I think we see this with, with the education thing, where I think there is a certain uh, base within the Democrats who prioritize things like their own um, self-image, how they come off to others above the just kind of day-to-day grind of educating children. Maybe they don't have kids. Maybe they don't really care about their kids. Maybe they care more just about like their own lives. And I think we see that clash when... You have people like um, the guy who lost, what's his name, McAuliffe, saying things like, you know, parents shouldn't have, aren't entitled to like teach their own kids. We shouldn't trust that to teachers. I, I think that reflects the mindset of someone who either isn't a parent or doesn't really care that much. There's about that really good article kids. that came out today on the Hill. That like the Democrat Party is becoming the party of Karens, like right of college yeah, educated and- white women. 
And I think there were specifically single women. Someone like Rebecca single Traister women. has yeah. has written about this. I, I think she wrote a yeah, book something like, called like, like All the, the Single Sex Women. It's like the Sex and the City Party. Right. And it came out like in 2015. It was like a triumphant book celebrating this as the new, uh, basically, inheritors of America and the endless Obama coalition. Uh, but it makes sense if you think about that as like a culture clash between that group and, say, like parents of all kind of like parents who don't really care about politics besides the fact, you know, are my children right. doing well right. and getting right. into good they, college? They, were, kind they of thing. were fine with it. It's like what I said before. They were fine with a lot of stuff because they didn't really care. It didn't affect them. You know, uh, they're not going to get all riled up about like Roe versus Wade. But once you tell parents you're not allowed to have any say in what your kids are learning, then that's it. They yeah, will have a major, major like, problem. Like who says something like that, right? For some reason, like this, this topic is supposed is just to be a that... light episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I tried. I tried. I, I tried. <laughs> we, we, can, we can end with this light topic. I mean, I, I, I like summarize this uh, American girl thing. This, this shit's hilarious. I, I want to read it to you guys, so we can end. Show on the that. picture. Link I mean, I, you guys have seen that picture, right? Yeah. Well, we'll the link family, it. We got to link it in the show notes. Yeah, we'll, we'll put yeah. it in the show notes. <laughs> I swear, it looks like something like Eurasian Tiger would have written uh, in the heyday of the Hapa subreddit. Doesn't it kind of look like that? That kind of like internet art style? Yeah, whatever. But uh, let's go back to what we were talking about. American Girl? You want to talk about the American Girl doll? Well, I thought you guys were still going to talk about... Uh, no, I'm- you know, honestly, like uh, we we brought up like five different things. All of them should be like if, if we want to do a proper treatment, each of them would be like two hours long. I, I, uh, I mean, honestly, I, think, I was gonna say like it is just really hard. To, it's it's clear in my mind, and it's it's harder to like express it. And but I think bottom line for me is like I do admire the shameless appeal to self interests that the Republicans, and in particular Trump, uh, is able is is willing to deal in. And because I feel like there should what, be, a, yeah. I, and there I should agree. be. A, there, why are we say what you to, say what you really mean? You know, yeah. What do you and, care about? And just fucking say it. Yeah, and I don't know why we have to be so concerned about being good people when there's like there's just things that we want that are fine. It's fine to want your kids to have an equal opportunity um, as any other race of children uh, mm-hmm. to get um, a top flight education. There's nothing wrong with that, but. Liberal Asian Americans insist that there is something deeply racist about wanting that. That right, for it's you to say, I don't want to be want racial. Your Asian kids to to like have a have a chance. Yeah, that the only f- way to be a good person is to sub you know subsume yourself into this larger uh, social project that the liberals are launching that you may not agree with, but hey, what other identity do you have? You know, just be like, why can't we just be shameless about what we want, what we really want? Because there's nothing wrong with what we want. There's nothing wrong with wanting your kids to have a fair shake uh, despite their race. There's nothing wrong with that. But apparently there is, uh, according to Asian American liberals. And I th- that was the thing that really red pilled me was was watching Asian American studies professors railing about how racist Asian people are because we were upset that we were being racially profiled in college admissions. And I was like, you know what? Fuck all of you. You're not worth my you know, like, Or every time. time you say that like it's a bad thing that the SATs are no longer a requirement yeah. for admissions, suddenly that's mm-hmm. an anti-black take. Yeah. It's just it's just it's just so ridiculous. And 
Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Well, they got theirs, and they feel no real genuine connection to the rest of the Asian-American community, despite their title as professor. But it could possibly be what Chris is pointing at, where it's like, it might be childless people. They just are like, you know. Yeah, that's what I think. It starts with regular. They don't have kids. They don't care. I think it starts with regular people who's, who may identify as liberal or may identify as progressive or whatever, but just realizing, like, look, I've had enough of this shit. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I have progressive ideas. I have progressive goals. But there comes a point where I got to tell you all to go fuck yourselves because – That <laughs> I is think my prediction for 2022 is I think that a lot of centrist liberals are uh, – people who identify as liberal or progressive are going to start saying en masse, like, I've had enough of your shit. Yeah, I want what I want, and like you are making my life like worse, materially yeah. worse. You're yeah, making my children's wrong? life materially worse. I don't care what race my children are; they deserve a chance. And like, go fuck yourselves. Yeah, yeah. It's gonna be whoever offers whoever offers that. I think politics has gotten so warped. Why is why are you the voters shamed if you say this is what I want? Who is going to provide that for me? Yeah. Who is out there? My vote will go to someone who can offer this. Why why is yeah. that why is that now the voters' fault then? And, and if you want to win, it sounds like you have it sounds like the voters are telling you how the fuck you're gonna win. Yeah, exactly. So anyway. To round off this the great <laughs> This trip whole episode is on. like we're just teasing, we're teasing future rants. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. more to come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's fine too. Can I tease another one? I have another prediction. Yes, please. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. So I was rewatching Suicide Squad, not the shit. Wait, the original Zach's or the, the no, one that came out not the original. The, the new one. one the okay. one that um James Gunn did with like mm-hmm. John Cena and Idris Elba. Okay. I was rewatching that and um I think that if Marvel was the king of the of movie land for like the past 15 years, I think that maybe DC is going to have their turn. You know, if, if we're not going to be able to get rid of like superhero movies, I think that DC is going to have their turn coming up to be the new kings of movie land. I, I think that Suicide Squad, like they just went like total... You know, James Gunn got famously fired from Disney a few years ago, and now he's over at uh, Warner Brothers making like DC movies like Suicide Squad. Yeah. I well, thought it was... That's I, quite I a thought, bold prediction. It would end like 20 years of dominance by Marvel. Uh, we shall see that, uh, I guess, uh, as the year goes on. That is on, a we'll, declarative we'll statement from me then. Okay. Go ahead. Well, uh, I mean, DC right. has oh. a huge win. Joker remains the highest uh, profit yeah. to investment... Uh, as the highest profit to investment ratio of any movie ever. Is Deadpool mm. DC also? Is Deadpool I part think of so. that? Yeah. Okay, so like they had they have two wins with Deadpool and they have no, Deadpool's Joker. Marvel, because I remember Deadpool was in an X-Men movie. God damn it then. All right. Oh, there's some there's some weird car- like I know Spider-Man is a contested property. I it's just it's whatever the it is. is I, the Shiba coin. It's the Shiba coin of uh I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah. Um All right. Okay. Did we redo that? Well, we did that episode. Yeah, I got to rant about Joker. So that All was right. that felt anyway, like a longer. I'm, I'm excited than for Peacemaker. I think it's going to be fun. I didn't know it was yeah. going to be a series, so um, I am going to contradict <laughs> myself, and I'm going to looks like I'm going to watch that series. It's coming out in like two weeks. We're coming in cool. at a lean one hour and nine minutes, but I actually felt like we talked a lot. That was uh, <laughs> we covered a lot. Yeah. We covered it was, a lot. It was a very so. densely packed episode. Dense. It was like yeah. a. It's like a Christmas pudding of an episode. Okay, to to round it off, uh, there's a story that's been uh, no, this percolating is actually, around. This is more like the Friends trifle of an episode. It's got like a little bit of ground beef. <laughs> the shepherd's pie. The shepherd's. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 
a little got a little ground beef, a little uh, a little a little strawberry, a little whipped cream. Only only millennials get that joke. Yeah. Well, I don't That's know. Right. They say a lot of uh, dumbass Gen Z people are, are binging Friends for godforsaken reason. They should watch Frasier instead. But that's another episode. I don't know if this will be the beef part or the jam or whatever, but there's this little story that's been percolating around Asian Twitter. Uh, it's about this like American Girl doll. Did you guys have any American Girl dolls growing up? No. Um, I no, had anything? Samantha and I had, um, is her name Kristen or Kirsten? I don't I had know. Those That's two. what I'm asking you. <laughs> I, I, I had definitely a had, of dolls. I had Samantha. Yeah, realistic dolls can be quite creepy. Um, yeah. But so I think this is a relic of the past, but for whatever reason, they're trying to, I guess, wokeify it, come up with diverse dolls. So they come up with the Asian American doll. Her name is Corinne Tan, which somebody on Twitter, this guy I think named Jason Ten, brought up. It sounds a lot like quarantine. And the author of this wrote the story during quarantine, like during COVID. So huh, maybe it was <laughs> this. This whole thing's hilarious. So anyway, uh, so she has a whole backstory, uh, and I couldn't get the book, but I did find a website that reviewed it and gave chapter by chapter summaries. I tried to break it down, just got the bare essentials. So I'll just read it to you guys, uh, and after a few sentences, I'll see what your reactions are. So long story short, the whole the character is main character is Corinthian. Her thing is her mom got a divorce and how has remarried this guy named Arnie, who's a, a Swedish businessman, according to this. And it's all about her adjusting to her new life in Aspen, Colorado, and, and all that. And she has a younger sister. I'll start reading and tell me what you guys think. So this is chapter one. After Corin and Gwinski, they visit their stepdad, Arnie, a Swedish businessman, at his house in downtown Aspen, which they are about to move into. They go upstairs for the first time and are overwhelmed by how big the bedrooms are. Okay, so... Yeah, so um, so apparently the the Asian dad lives in a town called Basalt, and I looked this up. Like population two thousand, Colorado generally has small towns, but I'm like two thousand. That that doesn't sound like the the brightest place to live. So now I guess they've upgraded to Arnie. He lives in Aspen, the fancy town. And anyway, what what are you guys' thoughts? It's so lame. <laughs> I didn't know American Doll was still in business. Yeah. So I, it I seems like either. this whole woke pivot is exactly to drum up this. Now we're talking about it, right? This little podcast in the in the backwood backwoods. We just outed ourselves as like alt right, basically. And now we're talking. <laughs> I about also it. wasn't really aware about American Girl, and I have like I have a daughter who's of age. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And she has never asked about American Girl or ever talked about it. None of her friends have American Girl. Yeah, I read this article. Uh, just, just I looked it up. It was like 2019. They were like record low profits. Nobody cares. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we shouldn't carry that. I just thought this was funny. And you know, as yeah, I said, because uh, of, like, our Twitter you, friends were talking all, about it. It all looks like Annabelle. I don't know yeah. what that is. <laughs> the but... horror movie. It's a horror movie. Oh, oh Jesus! All yeah. the little yeah. kids know about Annabelle and like The Conjuring, and like yeah, the American like, Girl dolls. They they kind of look like Annabelle. And like if you said Chucky, I would have known. See, we grew up when that, that's... I had a phobia of dolls growing up. I, like, poltergeist scarred the shit out of me. And that's just one of them. Uh, like, Chucky, forget about it. Um, but, like, there was an American Girl doll store near where I worked. It was a mall, a pretty high-end mall. I would go out of my way to, to not walk... Walking to not it. walk by that store. Yeah. Because it's just, I like, a just imagine, wall of like, them staring out at you. I, I try to imagine, like, what would happen if I brought home an American Girl doll and gave it to my daughter? I think she'd freak out. She's just not <laughs> yeah. into it. She's into stuff like, I don't know, like, all Fortnite. this. 
no, no, that's a, that's like kind of old news now. Mm. Um, no, she's more into stuff like what's like the new hot thing that all the little kids are into. I, whatever's Eliza, hot in like you anime don't know, or we manga. Yeah, if it, yeah. whatever's like hot in like anime world or like manga world, like Mulang and like Agretsuko or like Rilakkuma. Wait, did you say Mulan or Molang? No, Mulang. M O L M O O L A N G. Look it up. Okay, ne- neither of those. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you um, have to look it up. That's like the new hot thing. Or like the fungies. Mm-hmm. Fungies. Simpsons is, I don't know, it's still going strong on, in kid world. Yeah, but it hasn't been good since the late 90s. Uh, I don't know. It's all new for <laughs> so them. This, this American girl doll thing, just it seems like it's a, you know, it's these middle-aged Asian American women, mostly academics, who came up with this shit. So it, again, it seems like... Our good friend, seems Dr. Like teenage, Who's going to buy this shit, you know? Yeah, it's 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 going to be like a whole bunch of middle-aged Asian women lining up to buy this, not not like kids now. Um, no, you know so who it's going like, to be? It's going to be the middle-aged, never-been-married auntie who buys it for your daughter, and then oh it's going to end up in the dumpster. And she cries. <laughs> she <laughs> cries <laughs> about it, and like it's going to end up in the dumpster, you know? Someone yeah. who's totally the out of touch. The backstory is so creepy. Um, it's well, just, it's just thing, a mess. The funny thing about the story is the repeated conflict that keeps coming up and up again is that Corinne keeps telling her white stepdad about all these racist incidents that happened to her. And the dad is just so callous to it. Okay, I'll read this. Okay, so the first time it happens. So uh, her little sister is getting skating lessons. Her little sister named Gwen. At the lesson, Gwen starts to prepare for a competition for the next month. And after Corinne and Arnie exit the rink through the doors. After Corinne touches the door, a boy tells his friend not to touch it because Corinne has Kung Flu. This hurts Corinne. And Arnie doesn't understand. And instead talks about how he linked his credit card to her ski pass. <laughs> what the fuck? Oh. Uh, and then, yeah, this is, oh. yeah, this is this is like this whole thing was developed by people who don't have kids. Uh, right. Okay. So, all right. Uh, a few chapters later. So, um, Corinne's mom apparently has this uh, Chinese street food restaurant open in Aspen. And then this thing happens. This racist incident also happens to her mom. Uh, check this out. While playing with Flurry, who's a dog, near Kuala, the restaurant, Corinne overhears a man telling his friend that Flurry's lucky not to be on the menu of the restaurant. Corinne <laughs> explains the situation to Gwen and it makes her cry. Mom calls the racist men out, but when Arnie comes in and Corinne tells him about the situation, he tells her not to be upset. Corinne what year is bothered. this supposed to be? Is this supposed now. to be like one of those well, like... COVID, Kung Flu. So it's now, like or, or like 2020. God, you're right, it is. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> Corinne feels Things bothered by this. Things don't happen. Because it feels like he's ignoring her. And it certainly doesn't happen in Aspen. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, okay, so this is the last thing I'll read. So then uh, Corinne learns about the Chinese Exclusion Act in school. Because obviously to these academics, everything is solved by learning about the Chinese Exclusion Act, the Cable mm-hmm, Act, or mm-hmm. you know, the, whatever, um, Japanese internment. At school one day, Cassidy, who's Corinne's friend, asks Corinne when she can see Flurry again and asks to help with the training. Corinne refuses. Soon she looks at an old newspaper about the Chinese Exclusion Act and learns that it existed. After her teacher, Mrs. Lamont, says that the important thing about history is to learn from the past so we don't make the same mistakes. Corinne decides to tell Arnie what she learned so he will understand. Gwen complains that she can't get the toe loop that she's been learning, and Corinne encourages her. Arnie then yells at Flurry for taking his shoes. And when Corinne tries to tell him about the Chinese Exclusion Act, Arnie walks away to take a phone call. Did you say that Dr. Jen Ho is the one that 
that like helped develop <laughs> this. <laughs> She's a consultant. She's a consultant. <laughs> How old is Dr. Jen Ho? I think she's oh. she's in her fifties. And I does think. she does she have like kids? She has a family. Yeah, she's the oh, one. She has who, a family. She's the she's the one who last year was all like, "Are are we really sure anti Asian? We got it. We got like I, are you I sure know what she's famous for. Yeah, yeah. And then talks about like how how uncomfortable she's she felt when she was on vacation. Um, and that except and then she's like, "Oh my god, thank God I have the six foot tall white husband who looks like That's a former who she marine. Is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I know, I, this is yeah. the bullshit she comes up with. Like <laughs> By the way, uh, on the on the other side of this, because uh, I know Chris, you and uh, you and Philip did a pod about how like you know Asian American culture is very you know like this you know like mm-hmm. uh, very much this. Um, but there, you know, I someone pointed me to this movie that Jason Tobin was in called Chink, but they renamed it to Number One Serial Killer. I actually never heard of this movie. I never heard, I've of, never it heard of it either. Okay. Let me read you the synopsis. This is from 2013. Number one serial killer is about an Asian American man who has internalized the racism he felt as a child and turned it into a hatred of all Asians, including himself. His anger and his desire to be like his hero, Ted Bundy, leads him to violence (laughs) and ultimately to his dream of becoming the number one serial killer of all time. Number one. I want to see this movie. I I want to see this movie so bad. I think we both said, you know... Uh, like Jim, Jimmy Oyang did a did a thing. I think it was on Joe Rogan. who's was talking about you know like good representation, how he takes on that responsibility, and he also said like like uh, like he won't take on a role like like Cho Sung Kui, the the Virginia Tech shooter. And in my head, it was like like why the fuck not? Maybe they already did. Maybe that's yeah, what he'd be this a living is. legend if he took that role. Yeah, I mean, assuming he'd be good on well, it. Well, I, I bring this up because you had mentioned that you would like to see something about him, and I was like, this is kind of a. I mean, I don't know if. He was necessarily a self-hating Asian guy. I don't know how much race played into it, but um, this is a this is a Asian serial killer movie. I, I mean, his character Ivan in Better Luck Tomorrow is. I mean, he's he's not like he's actually the most conscientious of the group, but you know, he ha- he's a little fucked in the head. It's like yeah. you know, a few degrees from there. And I'm actually interested because Justin Tobin's a great actor. He's the, yeah, he he's, really kind of came into his own uh, in what's the what's is it called Hero or what's the, what's the series Warrior in? Warrior, Warrior. Yeah, yeah so he's Warrior. great in Warrior uh, and. I'm actually interested. I can't believe I've never heard of that. Um, yeah, I was really surprised too. Someone, much. someone I know, I'm a mutual with on Twitter, kind of pointed it out, and I was like, "Oh shit, I've never heard of this." Um, Maybe it's because of the original title. Yeah, I'm yeah. just saying. Let's, but number yeah, it could one be, but, serial you know, killer came out too, but uh, number one serial killer. But I'm, I'm just yeah. saying, like you and know, there the are bell on door things. of serial killers. We mm-hmm. we could have had a movie called Chink and Gook. It was <laughs> called Chink. It came out as Chink, but it, they they retroactively changed it. I'm saying that would have been right. that's that's kind of a that's that's kind of cool. Let's get all the let's get all the slurs, yeah. uh, production deal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and that's so our Asian was, American. I agree, Chris. Account. That this sounded a lot more fascinating than uh, quarantine, quarantine the doll or whatever. Just to round off this, so uh, the story ends with Corin getting so upset that her dad or uh, her stepdad won't listen to her. She runs up into the mountains, almost freezes to death, but her Fluffy, her adopted dog, rescues her, and then her her uh, Arnie uh, promises to. Actually, I give a damn when she complains about... What the about fuck? Race. She comes down off the mountain and Arnie's like, okay, okay, fuck it, fine, I'll read the Wikipedia page on the Chinese fucking exclusion app. Yeah. What? And all it took was basically an attempted suicide by a little girl. <laughs> Who knows okay. where book two and three and you four know, and five will go. 
American girl, it's uh, die in a fire. Nobody right. gives a shit about you. I know, I was going to say the same thing. I was like, I mean, I really hope that that fails so bad. Yeah. And, and you know, Philip and I talked about this in our last bonus. Maybe these dolls are cursed. Maybe they are haunted. <laughs> God damn, that's a horrible, that's a horrible story. Yeah. I mean, at this point, like, it's no use even getting, there's no point getting mad at it because it's so funny. It just seems so out of date. And I just thought it was worth a lot. American laugh to Girl talk wasn't about even this. cool to have when I was a kid. <laughs> I was like well, the it's... only girl in my class that had an American Girl doll because everyone was like, what the hell is that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's also no really expensive. Yeah, it's like it's over hundred bucks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Man. so this is a like I think I I remember some girls would do like American Girl like like parties or something like that. Like they would have a big thing where you like have your birthday party at American Girl. Um, but like the thing the is, like these are ex- like the store, yeah. Okay. Uh, but they're really expensive. Like to 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 rent the store for that kind of event would be like a thousand dollars. All the normies go to like Build a Bear. Yeah. So there's a lot of class presumption embedded into a thing like this. So to call this a win for all Asian kind, uh, that's a that's a real stretch here. Like, God, oh. I know how awful Aspen is. Isn't it the worst? <laughs> Jesus, yeah. So does I, her dad show up at all? Or yeah, is he, just- he like he like shows up, uh, you know, to take his kids out to where he lives and all that. And there's like awkwardness because. You know, they have like necklaces that Arnie bought them and they're guilty about it. But he's like, no, that's cool, girls. You know, that's just the way it is. It's it's hmm. <laughs> that's so lame. So they got their so they got their wish. So, you know, that whole they got their full uh their full Asian uh girl protagonist, now that being full Asian, if you're female, is 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 cool again. Not a single they, Asian dude in the whole and thing. Not no a dad, single no Asian, and they snipped out he they snipped out her dad and stuck in a white stepdad. That's a this is the this is the evolution of that plot arc. Mm-hmm. Funny thing is, I, I read about the uh, I read an interview with the author on the American Girl website. And she was talking about how she'd never been to Aspen. So this is basically her. I think her idea of like a a white elite white. She's never Winter been to Wonderland. Aspen. Yeah, and then she she's projecting. I think all her ideals of because like Arnie's rich. He uh, one of the conflicts that Corinne experiences apparently is going from kind of like a you know average household in terms of income to the fancy part of town and she's kind of guilty about revealing this to her old friends and stuff so it's like yeah i, th- I think it's it's kind of Jesus this gen x type of oh wait are they li- do they live in aspen yeah they live in aspen okay then they're not they're not even the elite well they said they live in the posh town of aspen i've never been there so i don't know anything nobody about lives town. in the, that's the thing about aspen nobody lives in the posh part of aspen well, that's even, those that's are even all more vacation hilarious homes. Then. the reason yeah. aspen and st bart's <laughs> have the kind of status that they do is because neither place has um a commercial airport the only way that you can access aspen in the winter is to have a private plane the mm. only way to access st bart's is to either charter a boat or a private plane there too Oh, I see. I it's see. the reason why only the rich and like the exclusive can go there to either place. Mm. Yeah, so it's a really that's stratified why, that's place. That's why Vale is available for normies because you can take a commercial flight there. And then mm-hmm. Aspen is for like, you know, you got to be several bumps up on the income ladder because you got to be able to charter a private plane. To visit, yeah, so but if not you, to live If there. you live in right. Aspen, you're service, <laughs> but I, you're I like don't service know. staff. 
But yeah, it's oh, it's man. like it's like, people- it's like Whistler in in uh, British Columbia. If you live there, you're probably some barely employable. You're like a ski who, instructor. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're you're a ski instructor. It's so seasonal, or you're like waitstaff, or you know, like uh, you're serving the people who do have the multi million dollar. You uh, you vac- like clean homes. the hotel rooms, yeah. Yeah, so nobody who's like upper or you've got middle like class. Some, so, you've got like some thing. like agent. You work for some agency where they like get the houses so ready. What, so what you're saying up. is like living in Orlando is not all I thought it was cracked <laughs> up to be. Is that what you're talking? <laughs> that's like my dream place is to live in Disney World. But oh man, that that just makes this thing even funnier. Yeah, so they even got yeah, that. I wrong. think that if you really <laughs> live in Orlando, I think that what you're what you're like. I don't know, Florida Project. Is, uh... Yeah. Oh, God. I mean, great movie, but dear God, like, I would not wish that life on. Jesus. Yeah. Anyone. <laughs> oh. <sighs> All right. Okay. I think we can round off this episode. One thing I want to say, um, I think I've told this Eliza. I don't know if I told you guys. I have a folder full of Trump Twitter screenshots. It's kind of like my equivalent of cash under the mattress. Like, nobody can touch this. No matter how many times he gets banned, I will have these forever. Just imagine <laughs> Trump on TikTok. I'm telling you, it's your bootleg um, NFT collection. Yeah, Chris, you missed out. You could have sold that shit as an NFT early on. <laughs> but imagine Trump on TikTok. That would be, oh, I, I like. Oh my god, that'd be so. Good. I can see the stars in your eyes already. This would well, be he tried to mind. ban TikTok, so it's yeah. It's but but I, yeah, I, I said that. But I also think that he he's so desperate for attention that he'd be like, yeah, well. I said that, but. Fuck that. Well, look, TikTok is also like <laughs> the top social mind. media app. It's also the top social media app in America right now. And it's growing, a top, it's a top website, period. Yeah. yeah. You've all so, seen his know, uh, YMCA dance, right? Remember that video, him doing the YMCA yes. dance? You met, yeah. like, he's a natural, like the like 30 second TikTok dance. He'd be so good at it. Oh my God. Yeah. I would watch it. I would actually, I, I hate TikTok, but I would sign up. I would actually get an account if he went on. No, I have an account. I think I follow like two people. I will definitely follow him if he gets on TikTok. Do you think he can hear us? <laughs> Please, Mr. Trump, get on TikTok. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, the other, the alternative exists. Hey, Democrats, you guys are the other party in town. Start oh, yeah. putting up some exciting people. Yeah. No, Chuck Schumer no, on TikTok. No, That's why. I, I think the Dems yeah. have plenty of, um, I think Dems have plenty of, uh, of liberal zoomers on tiktok mm-hmm. mm, yeah so I, well the point being you know lest anyone thinks that this is now a pro trump a pro stan podcast or something <laughs> no this is we're articulating something very very different here we're simply saying as concerned voters with our own varied interests we would like to see something a little bit more exciting than kamala harris's demonic laugh as an actual in lieu of actual policy proposals if we're not getting any policy proposals we're gonna go we're gonna we're gonna go to tiktok and just be entertained by the biggest trolls there are on earth yeah, That's I mean, there's all. more to you as like a rational science believing person who has like a moral fiber in their body to just your prefrontal cortex in a sense of uh social anxiety you know i mean there's more to you than just that but that's all the fucking dems appeal to so i don't know just take a just that's what Some i'm saying sense like, of charity that doesn't exist take, like no bless oblige you're supposed yeah, no, just, to take, take a, privilege you take don't have and give it away i was just saying like we should just take a page from what made trump successful which is just an unabashed uh, appeal to what people actually give a shit about, like what they actually want. You know, um, uh, last thing I want to see is uh, the same fucking 
parade of the you know democrat lions of the lib- you know liberal lions doing their um you know camera hogging and all that stuff it's just i don't know just like, fucking move on you know just it, i don't know mm-hmm. anyway okay uh all right so we will bid you goodbye in this first mm-hmm. episode of 2022 it's weird saying that i can't get it out of my mouth i hope you enjoyed this many more to come for the rest of the year and beyond so bye everyone yeah. see ya bye. okay we did Thank mm-hmm. you.